0: What's up guys? Max here with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope you're all doing well. Happy Monday in the United States. It is Tuesday out here in Okinawa, Japan. Yesterday's episode was awesome and I want to thank you guys for making it just a fantastic show. So first things first, really quick note. uh, There's some work going on in my house today. If you hear any noise, uh, it's that. Sorry about that in advance. Uh, If it gets too distracting or something like that, let me know. I'll see what I can do to mitigate it on my end. Um, Today, we have some awesome stories. I don't know if you guys saw the headlines, but our main story today that we're going to get to by the end of the show is this Navy SEAL is going to be found guilty of heinous crimes. I mean, this story is so crazy and out of control. Um, I literally have been following it for a long time, and I don't even know Where to begin with it, it is a train wreck. It is a total train wreck. So I'm excited to get to that one. Um, I was up late last night working on the Discord. Uh, it's getting there. Uh, somebody yesterday commented, like, bro, your Discord is trash. And I was like, Okay, hang on. I went on YouTube, I started doing tutorials. We've got bots, we've got rooms, you can listen to music. Reddit posts are going straight to Discord. So go over there to the Discord and check that out. I'm working on it, I'm figuring it out. I'm spread thin on this show. I'm a one-man band, but uh, I'm figuring it out. I'm getting some help from some of you guys on Discord, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. The channel is at like 710 subscribers right now. Um, Insane. Insane. Can't believe it. We have a lot of news to get to, so I don't see any reason to delay. Uh, We've got cool stories about Navy ships, about female soldiers, a funny story about me, um, and our big story, what this Navy SEAL did that's going to land him probably in prison, for a really, really, really long time. Let's get to our first story. Let me pull up the internet here. Let me pull up the internet and we've got, the Pentagon announces that the USS Nimitz, uh, aircraft carrier, CVN type, will remain in the Middle East amid rising tensions with Iran, the Iranian government. So, acting defense secretary, who we know is former Green Beret, if you guys have been following this channel, former Green Beret, Chris Miller, who is going to be the shortest SecDef, official SecDef, not acting SecDef, but official SecDef, probably in the history of the uh, history of SecDefs. So it does say here, according to the New York Times, that this move is in the face of the objections of his top military advisors. So just three days after sending the warship home, they're going to turn that ship around and send it right back to the sea. Now, if you look down in the description below, you can find a link to the get your ship together t-shirt, which is what I hope they do. Justin, what's up? Hope they get that beer day. Well, they might because they've already been deployed for 10 months in what is already an unusually long deployment. The deployment just got longer for the Nimitz as they turn around and head back into the Gulf amid rising tensions with Iran. So it says here, the acting sec def Chris Miller abruptly reversed his previous order to redeploy the Nimitz, which he had done over objections of his top military advisors. The military had for weeks been engaged in a muscle flexing strategy aimed at deterring Iran from attacking American personnel in the Persian Gulf. But due to recent threats issued by Iranian leaders against President Trump and other U.S. government officials, I have ordered the USS Nimitz to halt its routine redeployment, Mr. Miller said in a statement Sunday night. Now, those threats include saying that all of those responsible For the death of their general Soleimani in Iraq last year or 2008, 19, might have been 2019, 2020. It was a little while ago now. uh, Will be held accountable, including even a U.S. president, making a direct threat against President Trump. Now, threats from Iran to the United States are nothing new. Um, They've literally been going on for decades, including the uh, Iran-Contra hostage crisis from the 80s. So... United States intelligence agencies have assessed for months that Iran is seeking to target senior American military officers and civilian leaders to avenge the death of their general Soleimani, the commander of Iran's elite uh, Quds, Quds force of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Um, he was killed in a drone strike last year. And we do remember that they retaliated with a drone strike, or I'm sorry, a missile strike of drone on Al Assad Air Base, where I was stationed for six months, um, and those rockets hit. And I'm thankful no one was killed, but there were injuries reported, including concussions, which could lead to TBI. Um, I think it's time to turn Iran into a parking lot. Um, you know what? I hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, you know I'm pro I'm pro peace on this channel. If you guys know my position, I'm anti-war unless it's all-out war. Unless unless we're committing to all-out war, uh, I'm anti-war. I'm I'm pro using military as a last resort. Um, you guys know my stance on that if you watch the channel. So. Um, uh, so it was unclear last week whether Mr. Trump was aware of Mr. Miller's order to send an image to its home port in Bremerton. So it's going back to Bremerton after already a 10 month deployment. Like I said, some Trump administration officials should on Sunday that with a contentious political week coming up tuesdays Senate runoff election in Georgia and Wednesdays, uh, meet at the house and Senate to certify Joe Biden. Um, the optics of the aircraft carrier steaming away from the middle East did not suit the white house. Uh, I hope that that's not their primary motivation, although it certainly could be, um, purely optics. Uh, I don't want to get into what I think is going to happen with the election and all that. I I mean, it's pretty obvious what's going to happen, but, uh, that, that's a whole nother drama there that we're not even going to get into. So I think, let me, let me, uh, let me just go with, let me tell you guys what I think here, um, that the ship being in the back in the Gulf after a 10 month deployment is really rough on those sailors. That's what I think. Um, those sailors and their families out of Bremerton, Washington are on that hustle right now. Like a 10-month deployment out to sea, the longest I've done actually with one of the guys in the chat right now out to sea was an eight-month deployment from, uh, what was it, uh, January to August, something like that, uh, maybe to September. So that was the longest at-sea deployment I ever did. I think we did like 60 days, something like that, out to sea in the very beginning. It was during the surge, the Iraq surge, although we were on a ship. Um, and we deployed a little early, earlier, earlier, <laughs> a little earlier than expected. And that deployment was, uh, uh, the longest out to sea times that I had, um, in the beginning. And then we were hitting Port Lake every week and it was awesome. Um, so, uh, I think it's, I don't think anything's going to happen. That's what I think. Uh, it's just another thing of showing force presence, carry a big stick as a, uh, who said that Colton said, carry a big stick. Um, speak softly and carry a big stick, right? So I think that's what it's gonna be. Iran no I believe that Iran talks a big game, they take action here and there. They do more proxy war fighting, um, through little insurgencies and funding different groups and things like that, then they we have to worry about them attacking the United States or trying to kill the president, former president, future president. Um, I really don't think that we have to worry about anything like that. Have you seen what's been going on with Turkey and NATO? Um, I, I, ha, I am not sure uh, about what's going on with Turkey and NATO. I can look that up and maybe cover it tomorrow. Um, but uh, what I will say, interestingly, that you said that, Erk- Inklik- Inklik, uh, the, the, Air, the Air Force base in Turkey is part of a epi- uh, story that we have coming up in today's episode. Erklik, I, I spent a few days there. Luckily, I didn't even know it was there until I landed there myself. We land in Turkey and we go hang out at the pool there on base for a few days, a few hours, more like it. Um, so I'll be covering that there. I like the bottom of the screen there with the live feed looking news theme. Yep. So I figured uh thank you for that comment. I figured um if people are only only tuning into the show for a few minutes, uh I wanted them to be able to get the gist of what this show is and where they can find more information and when to tune it. So that's why I did that. If you're listening on the podcast, we've got some new graphics on the screen. Um, and you guys can go check that out on, on the YouTube replays, uh, which I hope you're getting a chance to see. Um uh uh, because the YouTube replays are always very entertaining. Probably a little bit better, more engaging than just listening on the podcast. Okay, so the next story. We're going to breeze through some of these stories in the beginning here, because I got some stuff I got to get to, and I'm always running out of time. An hour show is, you know, that's what I do. I do an hour show, but I run out of time, because uh, some of these stories are just too good. They're too good. So let's go into uh, our next story here, which is the Pentagon has six months to disclose what it knows about UFOs. And we've covered this kind of thing on the show before. Just two weeks ago, we had the Universe Speaks podcast on the show. Check out that episode replay in the podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just look up the Scuttlebutt Show, talking all about aliens. And we talked about Commander David Fravor and them spotting the Tic Tac -tac UFOs and the Navy authenticating those videos off the coast of San Diego a little over a decade ago. Now, interestingly we heard, we all heard the news of all these things that are pushed into these bills. When the government passes a bill, everyone goes in and hooks up their favorite lobbyist, their favorite, you know, special interest group. Uh, and they do it under the guise of a, the good cause that the bill originally is for. And then they sneak in all these things. They're sneaky. The politicians, they're sneaky. Both sides, all of them do it. So in there is this part of, As part of the newly passed, I'll just go, I'm going to refer to the article here, which is from military.com, but you can find this information out, many different sources on this. As part of the newly passed COVID-19 relief legislation, lawmakers are demanding answers from U.S. intelligence agencies and the Defense Department on the potential existence of UFOs and other unidentified aerial phenomenon. The $2.3 trillion omnibus appropriations legislation passed last month includes the Intelligence Authorization Act for fiscal 2021, which provides more resources towards investigating, gathering, and strengthening open-source intelligence collection among the agencies. Uh, If you guys are interested, let me know in the comments. If you guys are interested in me doing an episode dedicated to what open source information is, uh, Humint, OSINT, uh, imminent things like that, um, let me know, we'll do something on that. Open source in- intelligence gathering basically means information that you can find publicly available. It's been published in um, uh, newspapers, it's been published on the websites, you can find it somewhere, you know, without having any kind of classification or anything like that. So, um, so, so anyway, what this article is getting at is that that bill put a 180 day you know cap on the Pentagon releasing uh, what it, it its reports on what these UFOs are now remember for a second when we say UFOs I'm when we just use the word UFO we're not saying aliens okay we're saying unidentified flying objects that have been reported and formally filed as reports by pilots and other military organizations for many 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 years since the birth of aviation, people have been reporting UFOs. It does not, in its true essence, mean aliens. Some of that information includes with the Pentagon, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, and its counterparts know about unidentified aerial phenomenon, also known as anomalous aerial vehicles. Lawmakers expect to see a report on the collected UFO data 180 days from the bill's passage. And the first website complex was first reports the details, but you can find this everywhere. This is not a, uh, this is a real, a real thing. Lawmakers are concerned that there is no identified comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAP, despite the potential threat. Which is why a sweeping report on all relevant information regarding UAPs is essential. So somewhere out there, there's a treasure trove of information, all these reports, all these filings and all this stuff. Uh, let's get it out there. Let's make it happen. Bring it out. Like, let's see what it is. Let's see what it all is. I think that the public deserves to know, and I think they can handle it. The military pretty much confirmed that all this stuff was real earlier this year anyway when they released thousands of pages of documentation. We covered it on this show, basically saying aliens were real, and no one cared. So the UFOs don't have to be out of this world either. The legislation requires information on any technologies, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, or others possess in this field. Now, when I read this, I thought to myself, the likelihood of... Another country having technology like this, especially going back 60, 70 years, that is so far advanced from us that we, don't, we can't even figure out what it is, seems impossible to me. Like I don't think that Russia, China, Iran, North Korea, or any of our other adversarial countries has technology that we can't even like f- figure out what it is. We can't even come up with a good idea of what it is or how to duplicate it or anything. I don't think so. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. If that was the case, why would America still be the reigning world superpower? Uh riddle me that. So in April, Pentagon officially acknowledged three incidents reported by Navy fighter pilots uh on the speculation that they encountered alien spacecraft during training missions. That's the commander David Fraver. You can find him. We covered it on the show a few times. He did a great episode with Joe Rogan. Um and the DOD published the videos, and so those are the TikTok videos. Uh, Tic-tac videos that I was talking about, not TikToks. Should I start a TikTok? We'll see. After a thorough review, the department has determined that the authorized release of these unclassed videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems. It's just FLIR imaging videos and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace incursions by unidentified aerial phenomenon, blah, blah, blah. It goes on. Um... The U.S. government has looked into UFOs for years, most notably between 2007 and 2012, when the Pentagon began its Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, an effort championed by then-Senator Harry Reid. And we all know, like famously, Bill Clinton, Ronald Reagan, even Donald Trump, talked about how they would love to know if UFOs were real, and that they would let us know if they got any of that you know, sweet, sweet insider presidential info, and we still don't know anything yet. So what do I think about this? What's my personal opinion on this is, I'm sure that aliens are out there. Have they visited Earth? Hey, man, maybe. I think that'd be cool if they did. Uh, If they did and we find out that they did, I'd be just kind of living my life the same way as I did yesterday. I don't really know what would change. Um, We covered on that episode with uh, the, the, the Universe Speaks podcast about the Israel's head of their, like, NASA program, saying that there's an underground base on Mars that the U.S. and other countries inhabit that we share with aliens, and they're, like breeding or like preparing the earth for integration with the galaxy's greater, you know, force federation, whatever. Um, it's not a big deal, uh, in my opinion. I, you know, bring it on. I'm excited to see it. Now, again, it doesn't mean that the Pentagon is going to release to the public everything that it knows about UAPs or UFOs. It just means that they're going to come up with a report. Who gets to see that report? Is it going to be the Senate Armed Services Committee? Is it going to be the president? Is it going to be only the Secretary of Defense? The Joint Chiefs of Staff need to know only how are they going to classify it. It just means that some kind of report is going to come out within 180 days. And that report might suck. That report might be kind of garbage and doesn't really have anything to offer and nobody's even interested in it. And it'll just say, yep, there are these unidentified aerial phenomenon. And, excuse me, and... Uh, and that's that. We all knew that they exist. They still do. It's still unidentified. Let me catch up on the chat here real quick. Omnibus, Colton should be an amendment against them. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm not the biggest fan of the bill, mainly with the influencing uh, countries part. I don't think a country that has been around for hundreds of years will change their ways for the United States. I agree. I'm scad with that, but there's a damn good chance. <laughs> uh, Christian says space force about to get that dictate real busy. Um, hey. Maybe it is Space Force's time, you know. The same year that Space Force really comes into 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 their own, you know, stands up, gets boot camp, all that stuff. Uh, they're got people in Meps, and that same year they released that UFOs are real. I think that that's a pretty good uh, timing. So notice how everything in the world has been going wrong since the Area 51 <laughs> raid, <laughs> the raid on Area 51. You think that that broke broke the truth? You think that that had an effect? Um, look, just for fun. Um, Because I know a lot of Navy people watch this show. I I know we got a big Navy audience. And we know that the Navy is up there competing for the unhealthiest branch. The Navy is out there competing for the unhealthiest branch. We love to smoke, dip, drink. We got all that ship food. We love our waffles and pancakes. We love those omelets at breakfast. Um, And we barely can stay stay skinny enough to fit through the portholes on the ship. Uh, But the Navy has been revamping their physical fitness test. Although I have to say also, they've been lowering the standards, revamping the test, lowering the standards. You can be fatter and slower than you've ever had to be before. And there's even more options for the PRT. But starting about two years ago, the Navy did say that they were doing something interesting with the PRT. Let's cover that story right now. So the Navy announces that they're going to get rid of sit-ups and include the plank in place of sit-ups. So we're not doing sit-ups anymore because they're too bad for the back. So we're doing the plank. And they added rowing to the cardio list. They are adding rowing. So, yep, Scott, I got you to rate on Area 51. So, they are adding rowing. Adding rowing. Do you want to know something? Rowing would be the hardest option. You want to know something else? Running is the easiest option. If you guys get a chance, if you want to try something fun, go on to the Navy's PRT website and look up the elliptical the stationary bike, the rowing, and the running. And give them a shot. The running is the easiest. I've done them all. Uh, to max out the elliptical, you look like a crazy person on that thing. You look like one of those crazy people in Planet Fitness, you know, they're getting a resolution on. Like, it is really hard to do. I challenge anybody out there to go get an excellent or outstanding high, the highest. I challenge anybody out there to go with the highest score on the elliptical. Um, and if you do, tag me, and I will try to take it on, too. Uh, it is... Seriously, no joke, very, very, very challenging, uh, way harder than running. And then the row, the row, just so you know, what they want you to do to get an outstanding high on the row is to finish a 2000 meter row in under seven minutes. Uh, I think that that is the, the, the max score. So good luck with that. I did one last year. Um, I made it under, because that's like a standard. That's like a gold standard. Making a seven, sub seven minute, 2,000 meter row, which means you have to row a sub 145, 500 meter for four times in a row without stopping. I did it last year. I got a 658.6 or something like that. And I posted it on my Instagram and I was so proud because that is hard work. And then with the plank, you have to do a three minute and 40 second plank. Perfect plank. That's hard too. I don't know if I could do that right now. Like, go ahead and give it a shot. Let me know if you can do a three minute and 40 second perfect plank, perfect plank. Okay. Now here's the problem. They're not going to enforce the standards. There's going to be people dropping to their knees. I can just turn off Safari and I know what I'm talking about here. So they, people can just, you know, flub the standards. People will be dropping to their knees when the coordinators aren't looking, but you can't fake the row that's on the timer. The rowing's the hardest thing. The rowing is going to be the hardest PRT uh, uh, standard that you have to meet. Good luck with that. Just run, just run. It's really easy to pass the Navy's PRT. You just run. Um, let's see. Regal says, "Just do competitive eating for the PRT instead." Uh, dude, we're close. We're close in the Navy. Uh, Scott says, "Every Marine I know does dips and drink. Oh, dips and drinks. Uh, yeah, but the Marines stay fit." So the Marines dip and drink, but they stay fit. They dip and drink while running 10 miles and rucking. So the Navy doesn't do that. The Navy's culture of fitness doesn't really, uh, it, it's not really thriving right now. Like I can think of some people I've seen on the ship and I'm like, how are you in the military? I mean, were you surprised to hear that there were fitness standards after you got in? Did you not know? Did your recruiter not tell you that you have to maintain just the teeny weeniest level of fitness after you are out of boot camp? Um, people go to the ship and they just explode. They just, their, their buttons on their utilities were like deadly weapons. The buttons on their coveralls were about to burst open, okay? The, you could see their undershirt in between their buttons. It was uh, not good, not good. So it was a big struggle. Speaking of that, the buttons on the shirt, don't forget to go to scuttlebuttshow.com and get yourself some merch like the cool scuttlebutt squid shirt that I'm wearing here or my coffee cup right here. Scuttlebuttshow.com. And if you want to, go down to patreon.com, link in the description below and join our Patreon. And like I said, the Discord is getting there. Uh, I am working on it. I am figuring it out. You are going to get welcomed by a bot when you get in there now, and you can listen to music and have a chat. And all the Reddit posts from the Reddit threads that I follow for the Navy are in there too, so you can go check those out. Um, man, we have a lot of stories to get to. Shoot, we have a lot of stories to get to. Uh, you know, one thing that I hate, one thing that I hate when I have to cover it on this show is uh, sexual assault, but I always do. Whenever it pops up in my in my radar, I uh, I have to go on there, and I have to go see what's going on with it. Um, and I have to tell you guys about it because we have to bring an end to it. Uh, or if we can't bring an end to it, at least we can raise some awareness about it and what people are going through out there. So let's talk about this guy. It's even worse. You guys know how much it, it grinds my gears when commanders do this stuff. I really go crazy. So Air Force Colonel 06 faces court-martial, court-martial on sexual assault charges. The court-martial is set to begin March 29th, so we have almost three months until that court-martial begins. We'll try to set a reminder on there so we can cover it when it happens. And, and we'll find out if he did it or not, because he still has to be proven guilty. An Air Force colonel will face a court-martial in late March on a charge of three counts of sexual assault. That comes from Joint Base Andrews, and this article is from Task and Purpose. Colonel Sean McNamara, a member of the 316th Medical Support Squadron at Andrews, is accused of groping the breast and genitals of an unidentified woman without her consent, according to a charge sheet provided to task and purpose. The alleged incident took place on or about December 4, 2019, at or near Leesburg, Virginia. According to the charge sheet, the Air Force began investigating the colonel that month after the alleged victim spoke to a sexual assault prevention response advocate, so a sapper advocate, so that program doing its job, a reported instance of sexual assault, and the process worked. It wasn't buried by the chain of command. Everyone deserves a voice, at least in my opinion. <clears throat> the information was then turned over to the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, and the case went to an Article 32 preliminary hearing for review prior to the Air Force charging back in mayor on October 2nd, 2020. So that means that they, it's like kind of when you get, you get a charge out in a civilian world, the DA will review it, see if there's enough evidence to bring it to court, and they have charged him, and they are going to bring him to a court-martial. At the time of the alleged assault, McNamara was commander of the 39th Medical Group based in Inkerlik. So here's that Turkey story. Inkerlik Air Base in Turkey, very small base, kind of a cool spot. Um, When I was there, we weren't allowed to go out in town because there were some terrorist threats to the military, some targeting military threats. So I didn't get to go out in town, but I did spend about a day uh, on that base. And we did go to the pool and to the exchange. And I got a haircut there um, and we got drunk. So he was moved. To the 11th Medical Sports Squadron at Andrews in January 2020, and then to the 316th in June, Air Force Times reported. He is a pharmacist who entered active duty in January 2003. He's a pharmacist. He is a pharmacist, so I bet that sexual charge was a tough pill to swallow. The Air Force takes allegations of misconduct very seriously regardless of ranks, said Major Jessica Tate, a public affairs officer for uh, Joint Base Andrews in a statement. However, airmen are presumed innocent until proven guilty in accordance with the due process. The UCMJ follows that rule just like the regular court system does. And the colonel's court-martial is set to begin March 29th. So March 29th, there you go. That's when it's going to be. Um, we I'll set a little reminder for myself so I can follow up on that story. And then it kind of reminded me of uh, that Kristen, Kristen Stewart movie, Camp X-Ray, when we're just talking about sexual assault in the military. I don't know if you guys have seen this one. She's at Guantanamo Bay. And it kind of briefly talks about... Um, her getting kind of stalked by a dude that she works with. Um, and, it, you know, it's just, I think it's its very, very, very important that we at least bring attention and chat about that kind of stuff because I'm trying to do my part to make it a better place. So let's see. Let's catch up on the chat. Justin says, I'm with you that rowing and such is hard compared to the run, but, what, I, uh, but what, if, what if they got no cartilage in their knees or back and can't take pounding in the pavement with runs? Just some thoughts. I do appreciate the alternative cardios. I don't, I'm not saying I think that they're a cheap way out. I'm saying, I think they're harder. Like for people who do have knee issues, back issues, real, like wear and tear on their bodies. And they've had surgeries, maybe a torn ACL, MCL, something like that reconstruction, you know, blew out an an Achilles or something like that common injuries that we see. I'm saying it's harder if you can't run, it's harder. And the swim too. Well, the swim might be, like, kind of on the same level as the run. The swim standards are okay. But it, it's actually harder to do these other ones. If you go get on the elliptical and try to meet the elliptical standard, it's hard. It's harder than doing a run. Scad says, wait, I thought the Air Force only liked men. <laughs> Scad's uh, clearing up that that's a joke. I I do know when you guys are joking. I think yesterday I, I gave somebody a hard time. Uh, I do know when you guys are joking. It's all good. Have fun in the chat. Regal says it's true. <laughs> um swim is cake. Justin says, yeah, the swim's not that bad. Um, so the next story, first of all, I don't know where to begin with this next one. Don't worry. It's n- low drama here, but um, let me pull up the the internet here. I, I'll show you guys a picture of myself on this one. So look, we've got women in the US military may finally get body armor that actually fits. When you have four different branches, each doing their own thing, there's overlap and there's going to be waste. And we've covered this type of thing on this, on the this show before. Women or body armor and equipment and flight suits and all this stuff is built for men, not for women. And women have to use stuff that's made for men. Uh, and they have obviously different shaped bodies and different needs for their equipment than men do. And as the roles get intertwined more and more and the line between combat and non-combat roles gets blurred more and more and integration increases between men and women in platoons, then gear is going to have to catch up. Uh, obviously we get ahead of ourselves in the military all the time. And, um, the gear has to catch up to the mission, not the mission catching up to the gear. So maybe a provision in the 2021 National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, which by the way, is full of all kinds of crazy stuff, which was passed when the Senate voted on January 1st to override President Trump's veto of the legislation, lays out a series of requirements and initiatives that could move women closer to having body armor that actually fits. So there's been a, you know an out, outrage uh, and, a, and an outpouring of support for women to get gear, kind of i mean let's go back to like humvees had like wooden doors at the start of the iraq war and people were getting killed in explosions there these were not up armored humvees like gear is way behind way behind what the need is so i say cautiously optimistic because the promise of properly fitting body armor for women has been made by military over and over again throughout the last decade which is surprising when you take into consideration how crucial it actually is for women in combat to have gear that you know actually protects them What we see is that you have an opening in body armor, whether it's body armor that is too large for someone or too small for someone. You do get injuries that are very unique to them, said Tammy Duckworth, one of the sponsors of the bill. And Tammy Duckworth is a a war veteran and Purple Heart recipient herself. And there are certainly injuries that come as a result of female service members having ill-fitting body armor. The bill, which was sponsored by Duckworth and some other senators, will encourage the U.S. military to expedite contracting, procurement, and fielding of new personal protective equipment that better fits and protects all service members. So, Duckworth told Tasking Purpose she dealt with the issue firsthand during her deployment to Iraq with the Army National Guard in 2004, as well as the problem that there just simply wasn't enough body armor to go around. And as the war went on, the body armor would come in different sizes, so the smallest size body armor oftentimes was still too big for some of the female service members, Duckworth explained, or you wouldn't get enough of it, so you get what you get. Now, let me pause here for a second because I want to show you guys something. Um, Let me put away Safari. Uh, It's true, um, all of that stuff that I just read. It's true. And also I'll add this. I'm, I'm glad that we're focusing on women getting better gear. We did it with the flight suit story of a couple months ago, and I'm all for that. hundred percent on board with that. Now what I'll add is it's a, it's a problem across the board for the military. It's not just women. There is a universal problem with people not having the right fitting gear and not enough of it. And I'm going to show you something kind of funny firsthand. Uh, let me catch up on the chat real quick. Scad says, candidate did some reverse psychology. They launched a program making female uniforms look better with shorter skirts. In the end, more men und- ended up joining than women. <laughs> That's funny. I'll have to look that up. Regal says, need armor for all 10 million genders. Yeah, I guess so. Scad says, yeah, man, I need some resupply on my Hellfire missiles under my arms, and I got to get my head re- uh, rotor changed out as well. Um, so <laughs> so let me show you guys something really quick. This is a picture of me Um in 2009, uh, getting ready for Afghanistan. Um, And I want you to look at something on the screen. Look at me, I'm in the front foreground, the picture on the right side of your screen. If you look down kind of where the magazine of my weapon is, you see this like triangular-shaped, V-shaped plate here? That's my groin protector, okay? Now, if you look where it is, it might be hard to tell uh, on the way that I'm standing, it's actually just above my belt line. It, it, the bottom tip of it here is just above my belt line. So it is not protecting my groin. And I was always joking about, I'm like, look at where my body armor is sitting up here. I had just the wrong fitting body armor. And they gave me like the, like, it just didn't, it just didn't fit me. Like this was the only size that they had available for me, um, for the tall guys. And it just didn't fit. And the groin protector didn't even come close, did not even come close. So it was uh, it was kind of a fun, it was kind of a funny uh thing to happen. So anyway, back to this story. Female service members are depending on the branch service year in anywhere from ten to fifteen to twenty percent of the force. And what we see is while the Air Force might be working on something this year, the Army might be working on it next year, but they're not sharing information. Or a program within the Marine Corps might not be sufficiently funded. <coughs> story of our lives. Uh, there there is not even communication among neighboring commands, like one command of the same type could be working on something and the command next door doesn't even know about it. Like, that's, that's, (laughs) talking about cross-branch, like, that's, come on, that is a a way bigger problem. Like, we can't even get started on that. Let's not even tackle that right now. Let's just get working on better body armor for everybody. Now, with their new legislation, lawmakers hope to centralize the military's efforts and have good data sharing and efforts to actually make the dream of better-fitting body armor a reality. Yeah, let's make the, let's make better-fitting body armor a reality. How hard is that? I'm looking forward to the day when they do that as well myself. Um, and better protect everybody. So let's see, let's catch up on the chat here. Dick guard. Yeah, it uh it wasn't, I'll tell you that. So Scat says, I wonder if they will have size 15 boots when I join. They will in boot camp, but size 15, they might not have that at the store after you get out of boot camp. So if you're going to look and replace your boots when you get to the exchange, they might not have size 15. That might be special order from the uniform shop there. Um but don't worry, in boot camp, you'll be good. And you're, you're joining the Marines, right, Scott? Is that right? You're joining the Marines? So, um, so look, uh, what time is it? It's, a, it's 11.33 here. We're a little over halfway through the show. Um, am I, am I going to get to all of my stories, or do I have to go with promise of the premise here? Let's get into what this Navy SEAL did that's going to land him in prison for a long... Oh, you want to join the Coasties? You want to join the Coasties? Cool. Okay. So, you you know, Department of Homeland Security. Nice, man. I haven't had a a guy in here uh, who's thinking about joining the Coast Guard. Guy or girl. I guess, uh, I'm assuming you're a guy. Um, I want to join the Coasties. Nice. Uh, Good for you. Do it. Coast Guard's cool. I actually served with some Coast Guard guys in Afghanistan. Um, They were out there. I'm like, what are you guys doing out here? First time I met them, they were playing chess outside of the uh, barracks. So, look. um, So, Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL in big trouble. Navy SEAL in big trouble. Um, and I've been following this story for a while. And I'm like, ever since I first heard of it, I'm like, what the F is going on? Here? What is this? What is this crap? Um, Bro, you just cast Mad Shade at the Air Force and he joined the Coast Guard. <laughs> That's pretty savage. Regal's got a point. Um, get ready scad cuz you were going to be the brunt of the shit talking. You were going to take you're going to take some big hits on that. The Coast Guard takes the hit for the team on that, for sure. So, look, I've been following this story for several years. Um, it is it is ongoing and I've been talking about it on the show every now and again it pops up on my radar, it pops up on my radar and I'll talk about it. Uh, but it's been relatively kept quiet. This story has been kept pretty quiet, but I think it's time that we get some answers. A few years ago, it comes out that an Army Green Beret was killed in Africa. Then it starts getting reported that he was killed by a Navy SEAL. Then it becomes this thing, secret mission, special forces in Africa, what happened uh, to this... Green Beret, what's the truth? There's a big cover-up going on. No charges have been filed. Justice for this Green Beret. Um, what's what's going to happen? When's the truth going to come out? And and it seems like we're close now to a resolution and some answers on what happened. And luckily, while I'm covering this story, there are some things I've read about this that are starting to add up, and I'm shocked. I'm sh- I really am like... I'm like, could this all be true? Could all of this stuff that I've heard be true? Okay, I've been teasing this long enough. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. So, Navy SEAL will plead guilty to killing Green Beret. Will plead guilty. Chief Petty Officer Tony Dadoff, by the way, hang on a second. This is Tony Dadoff. So, Tony Dadoff, Navy SEAL, is going to plead guilty to killing Army Sergeant Logan Melgar and agree not to profit from his experience at SEAL Team 6. So the Navy SEAL who admitted to choking a Special Forces soldier to death in 2017 has agreed to plead guilty. He did, I mean, he did it. It, He's saying he did it. And it's long been reported that he did it. But the circumstances around it are what are so crazy. Chief Petty Officer Tony Didoff was formally charged with another SEAL and two Special Operations Marines Raiders in November 2018 with felony murder, conspiracy, obstruction of justice, burglary, hazing, involuntary manslaughter, and the strangulation death of Army Staff Sergeant Logan Melgar, Special Forces assigned to 3rd Special Forces Group. Dudes, sources familiar with the plea deal say Dadoff will plead guilty January 14th to involuntary manslaughter, obstruction of justice, and hazing. The prosecution will dismiss felony murder and burglary in exchange for the guilty plea. Sources say Dadoff also agreed to a provision that bars him from profiting from the case in any way, including writing books or earning a living based on his experience at SEAL Team 6. That's got to hurt for a SEAL. Can't write a book. That's got to hurt for a SEAL. This agreement will end the contested charges, allowing Special Operations Chief Dadoff to accept responsibility for these offenses, he can, admit, he can and mi- mitigate most of the concerns over classified material present in the case. Basically, what they're saying is it's the case is not classified when the facts come out. We believe what is intended by a person's actions is eminently important, in, and the agreement recognizes that SOC, Dadoff, Special Operations Chief, Dadoff never intended to injure Logan Melgar, but also recognizes the fact that Melgar died as a result of the actions that went tragically wrong on June 4, 2017. Stackhouse said Melgar's death was not intentional. It doesn't diminish the grief felt by his family and friends. Stackhouse said the guilty plea is an attempt to help Melgar's find closure and peace. Now, <clears throat> let me get my face up here. So what happened? So so what are the are the circumstances of the death? Um Well, it it I there were all kinds of scuttle butts all kinds of scuttlebutts, scuttlebutts like this, scuttlebutts going on. One was that they were part of a drug smuggling operation. They were trying to smuggle drugs back to the United States and Melgar was going to rat them out and so that they killed him. Another one was it was hazing. Another one was it was an argument gone wrong. All these versions of the story come out. All these different versions of the story. Now, there's one, now there's one particular version of this story that I haven't told you guys yet. And I'm going to. But first, I'm going to read... What the article says is their account of the versions that happened that apparently he's going to plead guilty to, which actually makes me think maybe the version that I'm talking about that I haven't told you guys yet might be true. So let's get back to the article really quick. So the Daily Beast, this article's from the Daily Beast, but this has been reported elsewhere as well. Left a voicemail with a number allegedly belonging to Doff, but the call was not returned. Melgar's widow, Michelle, declined to t- comment. A hearing is scheduled for January 14th in Norfolk, Virginia, where Dadoff will be required to convince a military judge of his guilt. After the hearing, Dadoff will be sentenced by a jury, according to, uh, to sources. Dadoff is the third of four defendants to plead guilty in the case. Only Sergeant Mario Madero Rodriguez, a Marine raider, is still awaiting trial. Dadoff's plea agreement closes one of the last chapters in the case that has been seen has seen one of the NCI's investigators he pulled off the case after allegedly engaging a romantic relationship with a witness and an accused SEAL's hit on Melgar's widow at a Las Vegas gun show. The Navy even demoted Dadoff four months after he admitted to choking a green to death, demoted him from Chief. Uh, so listen to what they just said. This is like out of a movie. I mean, they. Sh- I hope that they do make a movie about this and that Dadoff doesn't get any profit from it. One of the NCIS investigators, as if they didn't have enough drama around the Eddie Gallagher case, is caught getting romantic with a witness. Don't you think that that's a, a conflict of interest there, genius? And then it says another SEAL tried to take out Melgar's wife at a gun show? Tried to take out his wife to cover it up? Like, guys, folks, listeners, fans, scuttlebutt show people. What? What is going Are you kidding me? That is totally insane. Um, this is like so out of control. And but but worst of all, and the reason I want to cover it, it's dishonorable. It's just completely dishonorable. And so that if if I see catch a story coming my way that just brings total discredit to the military and to the you know people that we served with who serve honorably and the bro- and the brotherhood and sisterhood and fa- military family that we create, I'm going to cover it on the show. Let me catch up on the chat here real quick. So. Uh, let's see. Oh man, you guys have been talking. So, uh, at least when you join the Coast Guard, your hole doesn't turn into a cave. <laughs> CIA special activity center. Uh, what happens on your little boat stays on a little boat? Nice. I've been looking at the ME requirements for your Q period. Don't know what that means. The maritime enforcement, like the Lit guys, MSST. So you guys are talking about Coast Guard. Actually, there's another guy, uh, speaker who has been talking about the Coast Guard lately. You guys should link up on Discord. Counterterror boat cops, boring. (laughs) Easy, slip into the feds. Oh, so that's your plan. I wouldn't get so far ahead of yourself, SCAD. I wouldn't get so far ahead of yourself taking one step at a time. Just worry about getting into the Coast Guard first and then worry about your future career because things are going to change after you do some time in the military, some time in the Coast Guard. Um, Things change. So if you're into that sort of thing, some of the TAC mask guys can be the real deal and they also get uh, direct shots at buds. There are people in the Coast Guard who go to Buds and then they go back to the Coast Guard. So there are Coast Guards out there wearing tridents. Uh, after they if they finish Buds and training, they get pinned with a trident and they go back to the Coast Guard. It's true. Good call, Justin. Um, some guys might be cool in quotes. <laughs> some guys in the Coast Guard might be cool. Well do you guys remember that Coast Guard guy who was beating on that submarine last year? Um, <clears throat> he's going to go down as a legend, although I heard he got in trouble. So Scad says from what I heard of the ME rate, it's basically a tradition to do some time in the MSRT. I am. Oh, you are speaking. Oh, you changed your uh, name. Oh, okay. Got you, dude. Okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. Um, Oh, I wish I had known that. I wouldn't have asked you if you were a guy or girl. (laughs) Um, cool. So uh, now that I know that you changed your name, got you. Um, so look, uh, now that I'm caught up in the chat, so what's going on with this story? So what's going on with the Navy SEAL? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, Didoff was part of the Naval Special Warfare Development Group, or SEAL Team 6. Uh, he and Melgar were part of an intelligence operation in Mali supporting counterterrorism efforts against Al-Qaeda's local affiliate known as Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb in 2017. Chief Petty Officer Adam Matthews, who was in Mali doing an assessment of the mission there, testified in August 2019. So here we're getting to what happened. Testified in August 2019. He felt it was his duty to haze Melgar. What a stupid thing to say. He felt it was his duty to haze Melgar. That's a stupid thing to say on Dadoff's recommendation. First of all, chief Matthews is terrible at testifying. He sounds like a total asshole. And not only that, but he was, it makes it sound like he was convinced by another chief that it was his duty to haze someone like what kind of an honor, courage commitment is that dude? So, And they're going to put a hit out on me now. So on Dadoff's recommendation to teach him a lesson after Melgar, so here's, they're saying Melgar ditched the team in Mali's capital city of Bamako on his way to party at the French embassy. So that's what they're, they're accusing Melgar of wanting to go to a party and ditching them in the city. So Chief Matthews, who was, uh, sorry, Dadoff, Matthews, and the two Marine Raiders, Gunnery Sergeant Mario Madera Rodriguez and Staff Sergeant Kevin Maxwell, spent the rest of the night plotting to choke Melgar into unconsciousness, pull his pants down and videotape the incident and then show it to him later to embarrass him. Let me read this again. Let me read this again. Didoff, Matthews, and the two raiders spent the rest of the night plotting to choke Melgar into unconsciousness, pull his pants down and videotape the incident and then show it to him later to embarrass him. Okay, let's pause there for a second. Does that sound right to you guys? Let's, let's stop here. You tell me what you think in the chat. Does that sound right that they spent the whole night plotting and that's what they came up with? That doesn't quite sound right to me. It doesn't sound like you would sit around a table with some whiskey, I'm sure, and come up with the plan to sneak into his room, choke him out to unconsciousness, pull his pants down and take a picture. Does that make any sense to you guys? that makes no sense to me. Like that story is not believable. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't add up, doesn't add up major questions. Like what would even be the point of that? It, it just, it's totally, I mean, I've heard of good hazing. I've heard stories of good hazing. That ain't it. And seals and Raiders and SF guys, they know how to haze. And that's, that ain't it, dude. That is not it. So now I told you guys, there's a version of events that I've heard okay? There's a version of events that came out reported maybe uh, two years ago, a year after this happened. And it goes like this. Well, and this is aside, and this is aside from the fact that they also had a, that they also had reports that they were like involved illegally trying to smuggle drugs out of Africa. Rachel says, how does a hazy incident turn into murder plus attempted murder on the wife? Hmm. Yeah, seriously, right? Seriously. So, I've got so there are major questions, holes in this story, uh, and and here's what I heard that, and it's not just what I heard, okay? It was reported, it they had eyewitness interviews from some people out there in Mali, uh, locals. So here's the deal, uh, that here's the scuttlebutt that they were up to no good, and that Melgar wasn't down with it. So he wasn't participating in whatever it is that they were doing illegal activity, drugs, prostitution, whatever it was, the things that kind of went around in the conversation. <clears throat> they wanted to shut him up, okay? They wanted to shut him up. And they wanted to basically blackmail. And the way that they were going to do that was they had met up, these other guys accused and on trial here had met up with some locals some local security guards, some muscle, okay? Some local muscle. And what they were going to do was, and here's where those two stories converge, okay? And this is why I'm starting to wonder if maybe this version of events is what happened. That they were going to break into his room at night while he was sleeping. Take him, choke him out, tie him up. And those, that local muscle that they had, those couple guys were going to rape him they were going to rape him and then they were going to video it and they were going to use that as leverage to blackmail him to make him never rat these guys out for what they were doing that was reported now they're going to now he's going to plead guilty and he's not the only one they're going to plead guilty that their plan that they spent all night coming up with was that they were going to choke Melgar into unconsciousness pull his pants down and videotape the incident, and then show it to him later to embarrass him, to teach him a lesson for going to a party without them. Are you guys seeing what I'm saying? I'm recalling this reporting that I read, because I've covered this story a bunch of times, about them plotting to blackmail him by getting him raped by locals, and then taking pictures and videoing it, so that he wouldn't rat them out for something. And then they admit that their plan was to pull his pants down and videotape the incident and show it to him later to embarrass him. Tell me in the comments, do you see these stories converging? What I just said about what was reported and what they're admitting to. Does that sound like it meets in the middle to you guys as a admission of a lesser charge? And then they try to take out his wife and then the prosecutor, well, I don't know if it's prosecutor or defense, but one of the attorneys is now entangled with the witnesses. Does, does any of this quite add up? I mean, I don't think so. I, I don't think it does. So hang on the chat here. Uh, sounds like something out of the air force. Justin says true professional sarcasm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, Rachel and then Justin says. Were these the dudes that were smuggling uh, money and TVs back to the U.S.? I don't think that this is the same thing, but it might be. Um, I would have to look more up about that, Justin, uh, and see if those things are together. What were, what were they trying to cover up? So allegedly, Regal, what they were trying to cover up is that they were out there involved in some kind of like illicit drug scheme, prostitution, just illegal nefarious activities out there in Africa that they were trying to do while they were deployed there, um, and that Melgar was not on board. So he was like I'm not down with this. Uh so I don't want anything to do with this. You guys uh are are not good dudes. And then they thought that he was a threat to them, so they wanted to take him out. And what their plan was originally was to blackmail him um, with this rape scenario and then uh key, and then silence him. So Scad says, "Wouldn't that be endangering the operation?" Uh "Uh dude, I I think you will learn a lot when you join the military, <laughs> I hope. Um, and I don't mean that in an insulting way, okay? But the, it, the way that you imagine this type of thing to go down is probably far from the reality. Um, and I don't really have time to get into it now. Maybe on a future episode, uh, we'll talk about how operations work overseas, engaging with locals, living among the population, stuff like that. But that's, that's for a different episode. Um, let me finish this article Okay, because I want to finish the article here and get to like what they say is going to happen or what they say happened next. So the four men, after getting permission from Sergeant First Class James Morris, Melgar's supervisor, after getting permission, broke down Melgar's door and attacked him. During the melee, Melgar became unresponsive. Matthews and Dadoff tried to resuscitate Melgar with CPR and opened a hole in his throat. The SEALs with Morris then rushed Melgar to a French medical facility where he was pronounced dead at the clinic, Didoff admitted to an embassy, officially choked Melgar. A medical examiner's report based on June 8, 2017 autopsy at Dover Air Force Base concluded Melgar's cause of death was asphyxiation and a manner of death was homicide. Maxwell and Matthews have already pleaded guilty in exchange for plea agreements with prosecutors. Matthews pleaded guilty to hazing and assault charges and attempts to cover up what happened. He was sentenced in May 19 to one year in military prison. A light sentence, in my opinion. Maxwell, 29, was sentenced to four years of confinement after pleading guilty in connection with Melgar's death in 2019. One year, I can't, <clears throat> I can't, I just can't. Madero Rodriguez is the last of the four men who carried out the attack to stand trial. He's expected to face a court-martial in February and has no plans to plead guilty. I, uh, well, I guess it depends on what he's being charged with. Um, Ao Nixo, welcome to the chat. Um... Justin says, SCAD, they were probably training the locals. Uh, Christian says, I can't believe half of the stories I listened to here. They're just insane. I hope I'm doing a good job for you guys with that. I want to cover these crazy stories that you might not have heard of. I mean, I, I kind of, uh, anyway, I'm not going to get too derailed right now. So look, this story is, for me, Rachel says, very light sentence, not surprising. I, I would I would like to have seen a harsher sentence like this Green Beret is dead. His family has to live with that forever. He died a violent death, probably scared, betrayed by his own teammates. And these guys are going to get off with light prison sentences. I'm not sure what Dadoff's going to get for his plea deal. I'm hoping at least four years, like the other guy. I mean, he's admitting guilt that he did it. He admitted to it the night it happened. And the stories don't add up. The stories do not add up. Like, it, it just doesn't align with what's probably reality. It's, it's, probably born out of what really happened, like a version of those events happened and then there's things left out and changed. I think that his death was unintentional. I mean, from what I've heard, I would believe that his death was unintentional, but that their intent was not just to embarrass him with some little fun hazing that they came up with as a joke and that they had permission from his sergeant to do think I mean uh, there it, it's it's not crazy to think that somebody would go run into somebody's hotel room and mess with them as a joke that happens I've been a part of something like that okay and it was in good fun and it was and it didn't end in a death so Rachel says not sure if we will know the truth if he agrees to a plea deal it's sad yeah that's the thing Th- this will end with a plea deal And for the family, they'll never know the whole truth. But I I guess it's at least good that some of that stuff got reported at some point. So now we can, like, put two and two together here and see what might have happened. Now, I don't mean to go out and and I'm not, I want to be clear. I don't know what happened. I don't have any insider information. I'm reporting to you what I read that was reported on the news here online. And it's starting to add up. Like, I mean, it just makes sense that there was more to the story here and that that was part of it. So I would love to know what you guys think more in the comments. Um, SCAD says, so then if they keep with that story and NCIS doesn't have enough proof, their charges might be manslaughter instead. Yeah, he's going to be charged with manslaughter. So he's going to plead guilty to manslaughter and not murder. So they're dropping the murder charge. That is what's happening, SCAD. They're dropping the murder charge. And uh, and again, I'm just going to bring up the picture here because this is this guy's face. This is the victim, Logan Melgar. This is the soldier who's no longer with us, the Green Beret, who I believe was an innocent victim in this. I mean, just from what I've read, just from it, just makes sense to me that he was he was probably the one doing the right thing, and uh, to some extent, and and paid the price. And the rest of these guys are going to get off. I mean, it just doesn't make sense that if the crime was accidentally. Uh, manslaughter from a joke gone wrong that they would go and try to kill his wife, that somebody else would go put a hit out on his wife. It, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. That's right, Scott. That's a good description of murder versus manslaughter. Um, so yeah. So, you know, let me know what you guys think. This story is pretty crazy. That brings us to the top of the hour here. I guess I'm never going to talk about, uh, what to do if you lie to maps and, uh, and that's fine. I, um, I want to thank you guys for tuning into another episode of Scuttlebutt Show. As a reminder, the Discord is getting there. Go join us on the Discord. Invite your friends. We do this live show Sunday through Thursday, 1800 Pacific Standard Time, so I will be back tomorrow. Same Scuttlebutt time, same Scuttlebutt place here on YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed to this channel, that'd be great. If you guys want to support the channel, there are two ways to do it. One is through the Patreon link in the description down below and become a patron. If you become an elite patron, you get a free T-shirt. It pays for itself in the second month. If you guys... Want to support another way? You don't have the money to become a patron. I appreciate you just being here. Invite a friend. Share this channel with a friend. Tell them to come join the chat when we do these live shows. I'm going to be covering stories like this every day. I'm here doing these shows five days a week. Uh, I do post if there's a, a, a blackout day where we're not doing a show, I do post it to Instagram and Facebook. So make sure you go find me on there at the Scuttlebutt Show. That's where I post if there's any days that we're not doing a show, when I'm taking a vacation when something's come up and I got to go do stuff. Um, So otherwise I'll be live out here from Okinawa daily for you guys covering good stories like this. The chat's growing, the channel's growing. Next stop is 1,000 subscribers. I want to get to 1,000 subscribers before the first quarter of 2021 ends. 2021 is the year for this show, and it's already proven to be so with these big chats that we got going, these big view counts on the live shows. You guys engaging with me, I love that. Um, Thank you, everyone. Some people in the chat that I haven't seen before, uh, Rachel, thank you for joining us today. Um, everyone who just came over from A.O. Nixo yesterday. Thank you. Speaker, It's, uh, it's nice to have you in here back as scad. Now I know who you are. A.O. Nixo 1000. Thank you, bro. Um, let me know if you, uh, if, if you want to meet up sometime, I got something for you too. Uh, and we'll make big plans for some joint videos soon. Uh, with that being said, it's, it's noon here. So I'll leave you guys to go on with the rest of your evening. Happy Monday night. Tuesday afternoon, wherever you are. I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. I'm out for now.